It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into week 16, best bets edition here on Forward Progress, live on the Forward Progress YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network and powered by Pinnacle Sportsbook. Not the usual crew, but we do have three quarters of the usual crew. Suma joins us again this week from Germany. Very disappointed that Aaron Rodgers is not going to play in the NFL this season. Distraught, I would even say, uh, were, were some of the words that Suma used this morning when I spoke to him separately. But we welcome in G-Stack George in the top right-hand corner, uh, which is a very pressure-filled situation for you, George, today because we had you on one time earlier this year. Yeah. And you remember how that ended. I'm the only person who's never given out a best bet winner. And if that doesn't change today, that is, I got to go down in the cellar. Lots of pressure on G-Stack. Uh, we'll quickly get to a review of last week, but before we do, just a reminder to people out there or for anyone that's new, we plan on covering five games this week, but we'll do at least four. These are going to be games that are not necessarily the prettiest games that we have uh, on the board this week, but games that we all have somewhat of an opinion on. If we get to 100 likes over the course of this stream, we'll cover a fifth game, and that fifth game will be the Dolphins and the Cowboys. We got two homers in here, at least one homer for sure. One guy who cheers for the team and it remains impartial on their games. But we do have a Cowboys fan and a Dolphins fan in the stream. So if we get to 100 likes, we will cover that. And of course, we're going to end the show with a best bet from each one of us. Now, second straight winning week for us last week as a crew. Apparently, all we needed to do was switch out our regulars with uh, some guest analysts to bring the records up on the show. Uh, so no Suma, no Hitman last week. And of course, we have another winning week. Adam Chernoff joined us last week. What a sweat for Big Churn. But he gets the big dub in the Pittsburgh Steelers over in the second half. TA, bang on with the Bills against the Cowboys. Sweat-free, wire-to-wire winner. Hard to come by nowadays in the NFL. I lost my best bet with uh, Rams Commanders over. I might get an ulcer if I think about this game again. Red zone fumble, red zone turnover on downs, another fumble in opponent's territory. I can make all the excuses in the world, but a loss is a loss. And finally, good news for Hitman. He did not lose a best bet last week. He also did not win, but we are improving here, Hitman. No loss, but a win. We're seeing progress. And honestly, you had the right side of the game. Just like, what are you going to do? Meltdown in the fourth quarter. Everyone got to see how it played out on forward progress. We said the initial play was Vikings three and a half. It was three and a half when we did the leans moves, have to pivot, go to Chicago. What I say in our chat on Sunday, I said that the line is now Cleveland two and a half lock of the century. And it took yep. a lot of shit to happen to get that game to land three at the end. I'm actually so confused with what the best bets were last week because we had, I, I mentioned this on the show last week, but we had to pivot like a million times on the fly in the background because the market was steaming throughout the course of the show. Hopefully that doesn't happen again today. Uh, but in the leanser board, Hitman, I mean, I joke with, with Hitman every single week, but he's an excellent handicapper. And on the season, 28 and 15 on the leans, atop the leaderboard at 65%. You could argue that that's, the best leans record in the country, if not the continent, if not the entire world for this NFL season. So the best bets have struggled. <laughs> but the, leans, the leans have been there. I mean, it's as big of a compliment as GRP having the best uh, comeback player of the year portfolio in the country. You know what? At the end of the day, we, you know, I, I ask you again, Hitman, why not just make one of the leans the best bet? Hopefully that's that's what you do this week. And I tried yeah. to last week. I tried to last week and I got screwed. Just like the Hitman Hart got screwed, I got screwed. 
that was a Montreal screw job to remember. Earl Hebner, not welcome in Montreal ever again. Although I am of the opinion that Brett screwed Brett. But we'll we'll get on with it. We'll get on to the NFL here. You can't you can't leave the company and not relinquish the title. I don't know what Bret Hart thought he was doing, but you gotta relinquish the title, hit man. You know how it goes. You gotta be a company man. Always, always. Of course. All right. The holiday weekend is starting off on Saturday with the Bengals and the Steelers. Jake Browning, since that original game against the Steelers, has been pretty magical. Even with injuries on offense, Jamar Chase leaving the game last week, they rallied to beat the Minnesota Vikings, their third straight win. The Steelers on the opposite end of the spectrum. Things are going south for them. They gave up 30 straight points to the Colts last week for their third straight loss. Mike Tomlin making a change at quarterback. Mason Rudolph getting the nod for the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, trying to stay in the playoff race. Suma, I welcome you back here. We'll get things started with you here this week. Current market at Pinnacle in this game. Bengals minus two on the road at Pittsburgh. Total in the game is sitting at 37, juice slightly to the under. We saw this matchup a few weeks ago. You bet the Steelers in that game. Is this a, a game where you're considering the Steelers again, or are you looking to pivot and potentially go to the Bengals here? Well, I, I, I wasn't familiar with Jake Browning's game and also good stuff that he didn't show his uh, qualities in that game. Um, might sweat Mike Tomlin as a home dog a little bit in this one, but I'm just trusting the better offense right now, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I'm... I was completely surprised with, with Jake Browning, but he has basically not backed off, not against a really, really good Vikings defense that tried to throw everything at him possible. Lost Jamar Chase at some point during the game, was extremely impressed again. And what's interesting when I dug into some of the um, coverage efficiency numbers for Jake Browning, he has an insane efficiency versus single high coverages. Cover one, cover three, 50 plus, uh, 50 percent plus success rate, and that's the base coverage of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are playing cover one and cover three, and at a very high clip. Mika Fitzpatrick is out. Demonte Kazi is out. Cam Hayward is still in the concussion protocol. This is a maybe slightly, or it's a borderline top ten defense that's now without two starting safeties. Maybe without Cam Hayward. Last week, Gardner Minshew is very good against single high coverages, torched them for 30 uh, straight points at, at some point. So even without Jamar Chase, I think that the Bengals offense with Jake Browning should have enough success against this defense. And on the other side, I, I just cannot trust Mason Rudolph. It might be another NFL backup comes in, win straight up story, but Everything that we have seen from Mason Rudolph so far in his career doesn't make me believe that he could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with, with, with Jake Browning here, which is probably weird to say at this point, but that's the NFL in 2023. So um, going with the better offense and strong lean towards the Bengals. Okay, Suma leaning towards the Bengals hitman. Uh, Connor brings up a point in the chat. That first game, Jake Browning was the, without T. Higgins against the Steelers, and he didn't play well. Uh, might be coincidence, might not be, but now without Jamar Chase. And I think that you're going to make a case for the Steelers in this game. Yeah, it, it's not much of a strong opinion. I'm honestly waiting to see where this market goes. If we end up getting a three on Pittsburgh, I'd probably be on it. Or if they're in teaser territory as well. But it, it's a small lean towards the Steelers. So this Bengals defense, like I feel like we keep saying it every single week, but this defense is like, absolutely terrible. Nick Mullins last week had the second best success rate that any Vikings quarterback has had all season. And remember, this is a team that's played with Kirk Cousins for, what was it, seven, eight games, something like that. And I mean, the Vikings moved the ball up and down the field. Like they should have put up more points than they did. And it was a lot of red zone turnovers that ultimately ended up killing them in that game. But you look at – so their pass defense has been awful all year. Their run defense has been absolutely terrible all year. They're allowing 4.8 yards per carry to opposing running backs. And now you have DJ Reader, who's going to be out for the season for the Bengals. And over 109 running back runs 
this season without Reader, that number jumps on yards per carry allowed from 4.8 to 5.6. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I remember last year when Reader was hurt, there was huge splits on the run defense of the Bengals when he was on or off the field. So for an already terrible defense, it just got this much worse. With Jamar Chase out, it's probably one of the most valuable non one of the most valuable skill position players in the league, probably worth at least a point, I'd say, to this Bengals offense. And we really haven't got to see how Jake Browning does look without elite weapons next to him. Maybe teams can creep up to the line of scrimmage a little bit more without Chase there. And Browning has had one of the league's lowest ADOTs. And then I know, Rob, you always talk about matchups and how much that factors into your handicapping. We've seen one matchup with these teams. This Bengals defense was the only defense that let the Steelers go for 400 yards in four years. And in that game, it was 16 to 10, but it really was not that close. It was 22 to 10 in first downs. If you watch the game, Jake Browning had multiple passes that were tipped up into the air and landed in his teammates' hands. The Steelers ran for 153 yards. I was with DJ Reader there. So – Long, long way for me to say that I have a slight lean towards Pittsburgh, but haven't bet anything yet. And I'm just monitoring the market and going to figure out what I ultimately end up doing, whether it's a teaser or, or betting Pittsburgh. Yeah, certainly Pittsburgh would fall into that long teaser category as well. Low total up through three and seven. Tough game to handicap overall because we did see these teams recently, but a little bit different circumstances. Kenny Pickett was the quarterback for the Steelers in that game. This is going to be Mason Rudolph. Uh, for me, what I couldn't get over in re-watching that game yesterday was the success that Najee Harris had on the ground. He looked very spry in that game altogether. Averaged 6.6 .6 yards per carry. The Steelers as a whole ran for 150 yards, and that really seemed to keep the momentum going for them on offense. Whether or not they can replicate that with Mason Rudolph under center, I don't know. But G-Stack, wanted to get your opinion here as well. This is, you know, I've already seen it in the chat mentioned a couple times and looks like people are back and forth on this game. But this is like the classic Steelers, Mike Tomlin voodoo spot that people talk about, right? Home dog, everyone's counting them out. They find a way to win the game. Do you put any stock into that whatsoever? Uh, historical analysis of coaches or anything like that? And then just give us your actual thoughts on the game altogether. You know, there's there's enough un uncertainty in this game for me between the Jamar Chase injury, Mason Rudolph, and this weird spot where Tomlin always gets up for this game, especially at home uh, late in the year. Uh, where I actually want to look is the over uh, in this game. The Bengals' profile is an over team to me. I was on their over last week. Seven of their last eight games have had more than 42 points. Like, in fact, five of those were over 48 points the one game that didn't was the last time these two teams played and the Steelers should have had more points in that game they they had a two-play sequence where they drop a ball in the end zone and the next play they fumble and it's like that's a seven points off the board changes the like the complexion of the game I'll save my breath for how bad since these defense has been all year including now losing DJ reader but I think it's Pittsburgh's defense that I have some concerns with they quietly accumulated a ton of injuries at linebacker and safety. Minka Fitzpatrick's not going to be playing because he is suspended. In uh, the Thursday night game against the Tennessee Titans, if you remember the big Will Levis looked pretty good game. They lost Cole Holcomb and Quan Alexander for the season. Since then, how has this defense performed? So before those injuries, top 10 in defensive EPA per play. Since then, they're 19 in defensive EPA per play. They're, they're more towards the bottom of the league. And look at their schedule. Uh, it was pretty relatively easy. Green Bay, Cleveland, Cincy, Arizona, New England, Indy. Not exactly a world beater uh, schedule of offenses. 37 points feels too low. I haven't bet it yet. I'm going to wait until the chase news comes out. I think there's a chance we get a better number off the chase news. Just There's always that initial, oh my God, even though we know and it's baking it in, there's always usually someone who wants to click and beat a move, but I, I'll be looking to play back after the chase news moves the line. All right. Interesting. We got uh, a lot of different opinions on this game. Um, argument made for Cincinnati, argument made for Pittsburgh, argument made for the over, which is great going into it. Now the odds are flashing at the bottom of the screen on this game. And you might go to your sports book right now to try to bet the Bengals 
you're not going to find a better price than minus two, minus 104. You might go try to bet the Steelers. You're not going to get a better price than plus two, minus 108. You might go and bet the over, and you're not going to get a better price than over 37, minus 103. Pinnacle, very strong competitive odds. It's why I recommend using them as a sportsbook regularly on the show every week. But we preach line shopping, getting the best of the number. You will listen to us talk on a weekly basis and listen to us talk about being price sensitive. Bet smart, bet pinnacle. They've been in business for 25 years for a reason. They treat their players well. And of course, with odds like this, you can't go wrong. If you do sign up to Pinnacle in Canada, use code HAMMER when signing up. It does help support us here on Forward Progress. You must be 19 plus, not available in the US. And as always, I would encourage you to please play responsibly. Game number two. Interesting matchup here in the NFC North. The Lions have a chance to lock up the division for the first time in decades. Nobody wants to see that happen. We don't want to see Joey Kanish celebrating on Twitter. We want him miserable for as long as possible. But that's what's in play this week for the Detroit Lions in Minnesota. Lions looked very dangerous last week. They destroyed the Broncos 42-17. to It was their biggest win of the season. Minnesota, on the other hand, overtime loss, as we mentioned, to Cincinnati. Back and forth type of game. Could have easily won it. But at the end of the day, they lose and they fall to 7-7. Seven and seven. G-Stack, over to you here first. Current market at Pinnacle. Lines minus 3, minus 117. Kind of like this in-between 3 and 3.5 three and number. But the total in the game is sitting at 47 right now. And you're interested in the total here. Yeah, I'm, I'm also interested in a side, but I will leave you guys to talk about that. Uh, in in indoor games, we all know Jared Goff is a much different quarterback than when he plays outdoors or in poor weather. Seven of their nine indoor games have gone over this number. All seven of those games were actually over 50 points. The Lions are um, defensively, uh, it's pretty. they're pretty good at the run. They don't stop the pass. Well, they're top 10 in defensive rush success rate, top five in defensive rush EPA. Kevin O'Connell is a, a smart uh, play caller. He knows that the Lions are 26th in defensive success rate against dropbacks, 23rd in dropback EPA. He's going to attack them where they're vulnerable. He's not going to try to run into a brick wall. Um, I guess the line in the room, the elephant in the room is, uh, you know, O'Brien Flores is going to send the blitz and rattle Jared Goff. Uh, nobody draws up the blitz more. Um I, I I actually like Jared Goff's variance when it comes against the blitz. Like he has thrown the most interceptions, but he's also thrown the sixth most touchdowns against the blitz. Um, I don't mind turnovers. Uh, I don't believe turnovers in itself are a total killer. There's this perception that high turnovers can kill totals. I, I, I think turnovers are all dependent on where on the field it happens. Oftentimes I'll bet an under with two poor scoring teams and a bad fumble uh, in your own territory can change the course of that game. What I actually think is a better indicator of killing totals is, um, you know, long plotting drives that settle for field goals, sacks and penalties that put you in like third and long and kill and kill you there. So how do I see these teams moving the ball? They both uh, can move the ball. Well, they they're both like middle of the pack in explosives, but when Detroit gets into the red zone, they, they have the seventh, the sixth best, uh, percentage at converting those into touchdowns they're also like uh one of the worst the fourth worst at uh, uh red zone defense so minnesota's gonna get in the red zone and they're probably gonna turn those drives into touchdowns um sacks and penalties lions are the sixth least sack team vikings 20th lions generate the fifth fewest sacks vikings are the second least penalized team lions are the ninth least penalized team i see both teams moving the ball well uh, and, I, and I think this is going to go over the number. I, I like the over at 47. All right. G-Stack liking the over in the game, making a case for points. Hitman, you played the Vikings last week. And I think you want to go back to the well here again with a Minnesota team that might be a little bit undervalued. Yeah, I bet Minnesota again this week. Um, so I know we've talked about when Jared Goff was playing Chicago. And I think we... A lot of us in here, we bet Chicago in those games. We talked a lot about the cover two rate and how he struggled against Chicago. Well, there's one team in the NFL that has run more cover two than the Chicago Bears, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. And Jared Goff, year to date, he's completing 55% of his passes for 4.7 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns and three interceptions. 
against that coverage. And I trust Brian Flores a lot to put together a game plan that he's looking to expose an opponent's weakness. He's not the type of defensive coordinator that's just going to stick with his style. We've seen so many different various game plans. We've seen game plans like against Chicago where they just all out blitzed basically the entire game. We got to see a game plan against the Eagles where it didn't work, but they dropped so many people in the coverage, let them run on them. So I think that Flores is the guy that can scheme this game plan to maybe take advantage of a little bit of Jared Goff's shortcomings against that coverage. If Detroit looks to run the ball, Minnesota's run defense is fifth in yards per carry allowed. They're third in explosive run rate, explosive run rate allowed. So I think that there's at least a path to where Detroit's strong run game just doesn't bully them like we've seen Detroit do against so many teams, such as the Broncos last week. And then Nick Mullins. I mean, we talked about it last week. Is he a good NFL quarterback? Of, of course he's not. But this is a guy that has been functional in the NFL. He had, coming in the last week, a career 7.7 .7 yards per attempt. We talked about how a lot of that was aided by the Shanahan scheme and the surrounding talent that he had around him in San Francisco. But he's proven that he's at least a guy that's capable of moving an offense. And it is a pretty good offensive coaching staff that he has surrounding him in Minnesota, surrounded by some really good playmakers as well. And you're going against a defense in the Detroit Lions that's 30th in yards per attempt allowed um, over their past eight games. And if you watch the game last week, I mean, Mullins completed 80% of his passes for 9.2 yards per attempt. I mentioned that he had the second best success rate of any quarterback for the Vikings for the entire season. And again, it was just and stop me if you've heard this before, but just turnovers in inopportune times for the Vikings that killed them and cost them from probably winning that game outright. So um, I, I bet Minnesota. I mean, three and a half was what I got. I, there's th three and a halfs in market, but three plus 104, pretty similar to the three minus 116 or something. So I like Minnesota at either price. Yeah, and, and the three plus one oh four is is actually three and a half minus one eighteen in the pinnacle drop down. So not not anything crazy in terms of Vig there. If you did want to just hit that drop down and get to the three and a half. Uh Suma, I think you you echo the same sentiment here with Hitman and that the Vikings are the side this week. Yes, absolutely agree. I echo almost everything basically everything that Hitman has said. Um the way that Jared Goff is profiled as a passer this season is he excels at against a four-man rush, against cover one and cover three. Single high structures, no blitzes, uh, four-man rush. Minnesota, highest blitz rate in the league, but also the highest three-man rush rate in the league. Jared Goff is averaging a, it's a small sample size, only I think 26 dropbacks, but Jared Goff's averaging a minus 0.1 EPA per play and at 42% success rate against three-man rushes. And he's averaging significantly lower EPA per play and success rates against the blitz. He, he basically does not want to get blitz and he wants to see like single high structures. Minnesota highest rate of cover two and Jared Goff among 35 qualifying quarterbacks, 30th in EPA per play, 29th in success rate against cover two. Minnesota still plays a lot of cover three, but as Hitman has said, I would also expect Brent Flowers to um, play up to those weaknesses and maybe reduce that cover three rate a, a little bit, but but that's just guessing for me. Um, yeah, I, I really like that matchup for the Vikings defense, even though it's in a dome at home, at, uh, uh, not at home at Detroit, but in a dome. Um, and I think that the Lions offense might struggle a bit here, and I think it's going to be a tight game. I also don't think that Nick Mullins is a great quarterback, but this Vikings offense has a very good foundation justin jefferson is is getting healthier uh, marlins like hitman has said moved the ball up and down the field against the Bengals uh, defense lions defense is not good at all i think vikings will score i think vikings will be able to run the ball a bit and this might come down to the wire and completely agree to minnesota plus three yeah i'm i'm with you guys on on the vikings in this game and i can't uh add a, a whole ton to it the only thing that i, I do want to point out here is that you know, kind of the talk going into last week for Detroit was their defense is, is bad. It's terrible. Then all of a sudden, Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense comes to town 
And it kind of feels like people have somewhat forgotten about that. The Broncos offense is extremely limited. You know, Sean Payton kind of knows what the weaknesses are of that team. They can't stretch the field. They want to run the ball, everything underneath. That, in my opinion, is not the way to beat the Detroit Lions. The Lions do not have the personnel to defend Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, like TJ Hawkinson revenge game, right? The huge game that I think he can have over the middle of the field here, the running game that Minnesota has. You look at what the Lions had done prior to that game. Their defense sucked, and it was against bad opponents. It was against the Bears twice. It was against the Saints. It was against uh, the, the Packers, the, the Raiders, uh, even the Bucks earlier in the year, whatever. That was when their D was playing a bit better. But ultimately, they really are not playing good offenses, generally speaking, either. So I'm with you guys. I think that this one uh, is a little bit mispriced. We can talk about the golf matchups, which all exist as well. But I actually think the Lions defense um, is challenging uh, on top of it. All right, before we get into our third game here, just want to remind everyone, I said if we got to 100 likes, we'd add a fifth game. We're way above 100 likes. Appreciate everyone who's already liked the stream in real time here. But if you haven't already, just smash that like button down below. It tells YouTube that a lot of people are enjoying the stream right now, helps other people find it. So if you can do that, that'd be much appreciated. If you're new here on Forward Progress, make sure you hit that, that, hit that subscribe button down below as well. And you can set bell notifications to get alerted whenever we have new content that comes out in the future. Game number three, it's the Denver Broncos, the aforementioned Denver Broncos, trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. They're slipping away. They've dropped to seven and seven. They have the New England Patriots coming to town at three and 11. Uh, Denver, not much more to say about them. 42 to 17 loss last week. They got, you know, essentially killed in the game, gave up 450 yards, couldn't really muster anything offensively. On the other side of things, Bill Belichick tied the most losses he's ever had in a season with last week's loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Patriots hung around for a bit. Uuh, they forced Mahomes into a couple interceptions, but ultimately they just couldn't really compete against the Kansas City Chiefs. Looking at the market in this game right now, we see Broncos favored by six and a half at home. Market kind of tilted towards the Patriots in this spot. Total very low here at 34 and a half. Hitman, I'll start it off with you here. Are you viewing this as a, a potential good bounce back spot for the Broncos off of that embarrassing loss? Or do you think that they could potentially be overpriced in market once again here? Yeah, go up the ladder on that. I, I like New England in this game. So the, the weather, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal, but it's potential snow, 30 degree temperatures. Again, if there's no wind or downpouring rain or just really bad snow, then it's usually not a big deal, but a little noteworthy to say the less. But the way that these teams both play is we know that it's going to be a style that's going to be run the ball ball control ball control it's conducive to a lower scoring game and it makes some of the points more valuable in this one denver is 32nd in pace on the entire year and i remember i went back a few times to that first kansas city game where like that was the moment sean payton came out saying we need to start running the ball more and ever since that moment russell wilson has been a straight up game manager for this team and you look at if Denver's going to have that game plan to attack New England, like it hasn't been talked about much, but this Patriots run defense has been absolutely unreal this year. They're first in rush DV DVOA, they're first in rush EPA, they're first in rush success rate. Denver, despite spending the whole offseason signing guys, signing a bunch of offensive linemen, signing blocking tight ends like Chris Manhurts and everything with their goal of running the ball. They have not been super efficient running the ball. Javante Williams is averaging 3.7 yards per carry for the season. Last week, he was credited with zero yards after contact. So who knows? I mean, is he fully healthy, bouncing off that injury? We don't know. Maybe part of the reason they haven't been able to run. But it's, it's just tough to see Denver having a lot of rushing success in this game. And we've also talked about over the weeks, like Denver's defense – has improved a lot since the early season debacle that they had. And yes, they've improved a ton, but they're still heavily reliant off of creating turnovers at an unsustainable rate. And if this does end up being a slow game, which we know, as I said, both teams want to play that way and New England ends up being run heavy, this is still a Broncos defense that is arguably worse than the NFL 
against the run. They're allowing 5.2 yards per carry, a league high. They're bottom five in EPA and success rate against the run. So, like, the one thing, the only way that New England can have any success on offense, we know, is they're going to hand the ball off and run Ezekiel Elliott probably 20, 25 times like they did against the Steelers. It's the one team that they probably can do that against. So I just think that the matchup helps New England in this one where you're getting this many points. I made it lower, so I like New England. All right, Hitman making the case for New England there. And Suma, I think you, I mean, you had to follow up Hitman again after a pretty good breakdown of the game, but you want to make a case for the same side. Yes, I also think that uh, six and a half is a tad too high for my taste. Um, like Hitman has said, Pats D, I, I see them as the number one rushing defense in EPA per play, rushing success rate on the season. Denver has a 50-50 split run pass on early downs. They want to run the ball, want to short passes, then open up the game and throw some play-action deep shots. And the Patriots' pass defense, they were severely uh, shorthanded by injuries early in the season, lots of cornerback injuries, best pass rusher was out. Um, and despite all that, their pass defense was kind of solid on the season, I would say. And against every, let's say, bottom half offense in the league, the the Patriots have given up 20 or less offensive points. And I don't really see a scenario in which the Denver Broncos offense wants the scoreboard up on them. I think this is going to be a very uh, low-scoring, ugly slugfest. And... Um, Ezekiel Elliott redemption game maybe against a soft uh, Denver Broncos run defense, but I I think that Denver will have a hard time on offense. Pats might be able to run the ball a little bit, and if you think about that game script, I think that six and a half is a little bit too high. So lots of optimism, George, so far from Suma and Hitman about the Patriots. I've uh, been optimistic about the Patriots before, and then Mac Jones takes a safety at the end of the game, and you want to kill yourself, but. Um, I honestly agree with these guys. Like, I don't know that Denver's can be priced like this against almost anyone with the fluidity of their offense, which is like a complete lack of fluidity. On top of that, the Patriots defense just performing so well, great at stopping the run. So we have three people here that are going to like the Patriots in this game. Is it a clean sweep or are you going to tell us that, that we should probably find better things to do with our lives? No, I'll tell you what's keeping me off this game. And like, I echo a lot of your points. Uh, the one thing I can't square away is I'm not 100% sure the health of Ramondre Stevenson. Zeke Elliott's a brutal runner. There's no threat of anything big play. I've, I'm struggling to find New England sustaining drives against Denver. Like we talk about Denver's defense and it's skewed because they got you know, they got beat down really badly once upon a time by a team who put up 70 against them. Uh, they are on season-long data, 25th in defensive EPA per play. Since the Dolphins game, they're 11th. And if you take it one step further, since like their injuries cleared up, they're 8th in EPA per play. So I think their defense, and obviously that's skewed heavily by turnovers because their success rate is still bad. Um, the one thing that I can't get out of my head, head was Denver last year against the Rams went on a road trip in a season that was done uh, on Christmas and nobody was motivated to play the game and they got absolutely ob obliterated. Denver still has something to play for. I'm not sure what New England is playing for and I don't know how I get motivated on the road Christmas week in a snow game. Because of that, like if Denver won 13 to three, am I am I surprised? That doesn't mean I want to back Denver. It would be New England or nothing, but I probably need a seven to get involved uh, for my own liking. All right. I don't think the sevens will get there, but I understand that's the number that you need and fair to everyone. Um, I warn people to let me know next time I talk about betting the Patriots to interrupt me in the chat and say, Rob, don't do it. I got one of those, uh, but not enough people remembering that I don't want to do this and don't want to have to bet this team. But I just can't. I mean, sometimes you got to play your numbers. Just trust what you feel on the game. And I just don't think Denver uh, is capable of winning by margin all too often against anyone. A lot of people have been out there, uh, whether that's been in the live watch alongs that I do on Mondays and Thursdays or in this chat or just messaging me on the side asking about our plans for the playoffs this season. We'll be announcing those shortly. 
Our show rotation is going to change up just a little bit here on Forward Progress. This show is staying as is, but we actually may move it to Thursdays just so that we can talk some props a little bit as well as we have less uh, or fewer games over the course of the postseason. We will announce all of that stuff in the upcoming weeks. Make sure you're following the Hammer HQ and Forward Progress HQ on Twitter and stay tuned for our playoff schedule. We will announce that. We'll make it very public uh, so everyone knows to expect what uh, knows what to expect come playoff time. All right. Game number four here could be a preview of the Super Bowl this season. The 11-3 Ravens going out on the road, taking on the 11-3 49ers at Levi Stadium. Both teams already clinched playoff berths, berths excuse me, but they're both looking for that number one seed in their respective conferences. Ravens coming in on a four-game winning streak. They beat the Jags 23-7 in prime time. Chris Collinsworth blew his load several times watching Lamar Jackson. Asking for like 78 replays of Jackson breaking tackles. It was very exciting to watch. Um, but obvious, uh, honestly, a lot of self-inflicted wounds by the Jags in that game as well. For the 49ers, they dismantle the Arizona Cardinals 45-29. to Brock Purdy throws for four touchdowns. But after the game, says that maybe Christian McCaffrey should be considered for MVP. That's spurned a lot of MVP discussion this week as well. We're not going to go into that, but we're going to go into this current market for this game at Pinnacle, which is 49ers minus five and a half, total in the game sitting on a key number of 47. Suma, go ahead. The floor is yours. You can break this one down for us. Yes. Uh, great game. Can't wait to watch it. Um, so what the Niners offense is doing is something that we have barely seen over the last 20 years or something. Like, they are leading the, the league in offensive efficiency by, especially in the in the passing game, by such a high clip. It's pretty absurd. And despite the Ravens' defense being very well coached, playing extremely well over the course of the season, I just don't trust any defense right now to, to really get the best out of this uh, 49ers offense. So I would expect the Niners to score some points. That's my anchor. And then I also think that the Ravens are capable of putting up some points. However, I will say there were rumors yesterday that Zay Flowers was in a walking boot. Today, he was not seen at practice. Odell Beckham was also not practicing. So um, a little bit wait and see mode for me there, but let's assume the Ravens are going to be with their starting offense together. Ronnie Stanley was was back practicing today, so I think he will get cleared at some point. So the Ravens' offense is, in my opinion, capable of running the ball against the Niners' defense. The Niners' defense is um, uh, very good overall, but they have some deficiencies on the ground. Yes, last week, I think that's not a great measuring stick because they were terribly injured along the interior defensive line. So if they get some bodies back, they, they will be more stable. But I still think that the Ravens with Lamar Jackson as the 11th guy in the in the one game should get something going on the ground. And I also think that you can beat this Niners secondary. Um, Lamar Jackson has a very good success rates against cover three, cover four, which are the base coverage of the 49ers uh, defense. So when I look at this matchup, I see a lot of advantages for both offenses, which makes me lean towards the over 47 with the, with the reservation that I want to see the Ravens getting healthy and that uh, there is nothing serious with Zay Flowers because I think John Harbour will go on to hold a press conference in like half an hour. Then we will know more. But right now, it's it's a little bit concerning that Zay, that Zay Flowers is not practicing. All right, G-Stack, I'll go over to you here. We might actually have to change your name to Tommy Totals, the way that you want to break down these totals in these games. But this is another one where you're potentially involved in the total here. Yeah, and I, I like the I like the over as well. Uh, I think for me, um, I want to talk about perception and reality. I think there's a perception that these are like two of the top three defenses right up with Cleveland. Um, however, I think reality tells a different story. Uh, Season-long data tells us Baltimore is second in defensive EPA per play. Early in the year, if you remember, they somehow caught every backup quarterback to ever play the game. Since then, and in more recent data, you know, since he's moving the ball very well, Burrow gets hurt. 
Uh, Rams put up a ton in the rain. Jacksonville self-inflicts. And even despite all that, in the last five weeks, Baltimore is not even a top 10 defensive team as far as EPA per play goes. For San Fran, they're eighth over season-long data in EPA per play. But since Hufanga's injury, they're they're actually 12th. So again, I've always thought that they were vulnerable in the secondary. I like both offenses to move the ball. Um, I'm likely on the over, but like Suma, I'd like to see the Ravens offense get healthy. If they don't, I perhaps will look to San Fran's team total uh, as a different bet if I can't get uh, a, a healthy report card for the Ravens. Hitman, I know you don't have an opinion on this game, but uh, let's try to give people something actionable for today um, in the sense that, okay, maybe we get negative news on Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, potentially Ronnie Stanley, uh, Marcus Williams for the Ravens. Is that enough for you if you see like a negative report today on the uh, Ravens injury report to maybe take an early stance on the 49ers? Or do you kind of want to wait and see until later in the week to how this situation plays out? I probably don't end up getting involved on the side, to be honest. I mean, obviously anything can change with the injury reports, but probably probably don't end up getting involved, to be honest. Um, I know we're not much of a prop show, but maybe if those guys – are injured, you potentially look at Lamar Jackson rushing yards because San Francisco in the past and this year has had their trouble with mobile quarterbacks. And there's always the theory about for big games, these mobile quarterbacks tend to look to run more. And this is obviously a pretty big game where Lamar is arguably playing for his MVP uh, in this game. So yeah, n- not much of an opinion. And Rob, I know you said we're not talking about MVP, but you know, I have Go a big position on Purdy MVP. I know you got it. Also, is it as simple as 49ers money line equals Brock Purdy MVP? Because it's priced like that right now. I feel that way. I mean, maybe you got a G Stack and Suma, you guys could step in as well. But to me, it's actually borderline insane that it's still a conversation. And and I say that as somebody that I do believe to some extent that Purdy is a system quarterback. Now, I don't want to take it away from him, but I think a lot of what he's doing, you got to make the throws, of course. You got to be able to stand in the pocket. You got to be able to do what you got to do to accelerate that offense forwards. But imagine it was Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or any any Justin Herbert or anyone that had Brock Purdy's resume this year, just leading the league in like every passing category what would their odds be in market, right? They'd be like minus 2,000. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. But because Purdy's an unknown and because of the Shanahan factor, we are. In my opinion, I would vote for Purdy. I think he should be a bigger favorite right now. And I think if they do win today's game, he's all but locked, uh, excuse me, this week's game, they've all but locked it up. Um, G-Stack, I, I mean, I don't know what you think on the situation, but like me it's, and Hitman are, are Purdy guys. It's it's crazy. He's first in EPA per play, first in completion percentage over expectation, second in passing yards despite being 32nd in completions. Rob, nobody has ever uh, had 9.9 yards per attempt in history. He's second in completion percentage, first in passing touchdowns. It, it's not even a question anymore. He's without a doubt the top right of every chart. And uh, any other quarterback would get the credit that we want to discredit this guy. I think ultimately he's going to get it because San Fran probably doesn't drop another game the rest of the year. There's a lot of Josh Allen talk now. And if the Bills win out and somehow win the division, or even if they get into the playoffs, that he could get it. But I, I honestly just don't see it because, I mean, for, for the first half of the year, all people were doing was ragging on Josh Allen. Like that was the the consensus and now all of a sudden he's going to get an MVP in a year where half of people were complaining about his play. Like I, I just think, I think it's between Purdy and Dak. I can still see a situation where Dak wins it potentially, but it would have to be big numbers and Dallas is going to have to win these games over the next couple of weeks to, to really influence that. Suma, I don't know if you have a thought on this one, uh, but I, I think this sounds like three guys here that, that strongly believe Purdy should win it. I, I've got a great price on Josh Allen, but I also think that that ticket is going to go up in flames. And right now, I, I think a lot of stuff would need to happen for Brock Purdy not to win it. Fair enough. All right. I asked for 100 likes earlier. We got that. So we're going to cover a fifth game. 
before I do, I'm going to speak to you people heart to heart here. Honest truth. Forward Progress as a channel is at 3.88K subscribers. Hit the Books, another channel here that covers college sports on the Hammer Betting Network, is at above 4K subscribers. My plea to you people is to hit that subscribe button so that I do not have to hear Joey Kanish at the end of football season telling us that he beat us. Brad Powers, I can stand. I have no problem losing to Brad Powers. Brad Powers is a great dude. He's very humble. Good guy to work with. Kanish, on the other hand, the opposite of humble. So my plea, hit that sub button down below if you haven't. If you got any friends, family, anyone you're going to see over the holidays, your Christmas Eve dinner, Christmas dinner, watching football with the guys or the girls or whatever, show them the Forward Progress channel. Have them hit that sub button. Let them know what they're missing. Where else are you going to get a chance to fade someone's plays and hit at a 95% clip, basically, on the year? You're not going to find that anywhere else. We got that right here. So please, smash that subscribe button down below. Game number five, uh, the Cowboys and the Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Cowboys suffered a beatdown last week at the hands of the Bills, 31-10. 134 yards, season low for Dak Prescott. They fall to 3-4 and four on the road this year. That's being talked about a lot. The Dolphins rebounded last week after the upset at the hands of the Titans. They shut out the New York Gents 30 to nothing. That was without Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddell had a game, 142 yards and a touchdown. Raheem Mostert scored twice, set the franchise record, 20 touchdowns on the season. I'll be a good guy here. I'm in the, the holiday spirit. George, I will give you the honors here to lead us off. It's Dolphins minus one and a half, current market at Pinnacle. Total in the game is 50 and a half. Are you going to be the homer that I have painted you as for the majority of this season? Or are you going to be rational and take the better team in the Dallas Cowboys on the road? All right, all right. I want a caveat here, okay? Because... According to Cameron Wolf, uh, Dolphins reporter, Tyree Kill was not at practice today. I expect him to play. The entire starting O-line is missing. Mostert and A-Chain are missing, but they'll often miss Wednesday practices. Xavier Howard's out. Javon Hall Holland and Deshaun Elliott are not uh, practicing as well. So that's the caveat. We got to wait for the injury report. But this week, it's Dolphins or nothing. There, there's no other way to play this game. Uh, and I'm going to break down why, you know, since Jalen Ramsey's injury, the dolphins are the number one defense in EPA per play. Number one in success rate, number one in drop back EPA, number one in rush EPA. There is literally not a single better defense than us at any aspect of football. Now, Rob's going to tell you the schedule was soft and excuse it. And I counter with season long data. When you fold in Buffalo and Philly and a healthy chargers offense, we're still fourth in EPA. We're 10th in success rate, 4th in drop back EPA. Why is Vic Fangio's defense so good? The Dolphins generate the third most defensive pressures in the NFL. 27.5% of dropbacks, we pressure the quarterback. We blitz the fourth fewest times in the NFL. The strongest thing you can do in the NFL is generate a four-man pass rush because it allows you to drop seven people into the secondary. So how do we match up with Dolphin, with Dallas offensively? Our speed at wide receiver will give them a ton of problems. Deron Bland, burnt toast. He's going to cheat for some picks, and he better get one because he's given up a couple touchdowns. Uh, how about running? Can you run on Dallas? I know you're saying, George, you know, don't let Buffalo's output skew your opinion on Dallas's run defense. All right, let's do it. Let's throw that. Let's pretend that game, men in black, you take the uh, look into the stick. The game never happened. Take that game away. Dallas is 32nd in defensive rush success rate. You can run all over this team. Um, people will counter and say, you know, Miami hasn't beaten anyone good. They lost to Buffalo, Philly, Kansas City. Those were all road games for us. We are 6-1 and one when playing in the friendly confines of the Hard Rock Stadium. But it's pretty obvious. Our coaches are better. Our weapons are better. Our run game is better. Our defense is better at both the run and the pass. And the quarterbacks are a wash. Even if you give Dak a slight edge, which I do, 
There's literally nothing the Dallas Cowboys do better than us. And once upon a time, I had to sit here while Rob, Eric, and Hitman told me with their half-assed handicap, better team under a field goal, no-brainer. Well, better team at home under a field goal, no fucking brainer. There we go. I haven't seen that type of fire out of someone, that, that type of performance at their job since Will Levis was leading a fourth-quarter comeback a couple weeks ago against the Miami Dolphins. That was the last time I saw that type of fire out of anyone. Uh, George, I love how you think, just like Jeff Feinberg, you're part of the, the team and the organization, right? We, us, no mention of the Dolphins. But you know what? I'm going to be the Cowboys fan that says, frankly, I am, I am very worried about the matchup. I'm worried about the amount of man coverage that the Cowboys play. I do think that they can turn over Tua. We have seen Tua been forced into turnovers this year. I do like the Cowboys' ability to generate a pass rush against this Miami offensive line, but they are susceptible deep. I need to bring in the neutrals on this situation here. Suma, I saw you laughing through a little bit of that. Cowboys, Dolphins, give us your thoughts. Cheese stick is the greatest homer I know. <laughs> uh, T.A. is a pretty good big Browns homer. Um, yes. TA, I have seen him pick against the Browns, but he does it very reluctantly. I, I will say that. Um, so, yes, George is up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, injury report is very concerning. Um, I mean, um, Tariq Hill, another DNP, maybe they rest him another week. Sounds crazy in such a game against the Cowboys, but they have the Ravens up, up deck. They have uh, Buffalo up deck. So not sure how they're going to operate with, with Tyreek Hill. On the surface, I have to agree with George today because I really like the matchup for the Dolphins. Um, if Joe Brady cooks up a game plan where they run all over uh, the Cowboys defense, I think that uh, Mike McDaniel with Devon Edchain and uh, Raheem Mostert should be able to do so as well. Uh, Cowboys like to play their single high structures, uh, cover three, cover one. The Dolphins are able to run. They um, will probably not drop uh, uh, deep into uh, two high shells to to uh, to invite even more high efficiency runs from the Dolphins. Um, man coverage might be an issue as well, especially if uh, Tyreek Hill is going to play. So I'm really concerned about the um, the, the matchup for the Cowboys defense. Then on the other side, I mean, yes, last year was a crazy outlier for Dak Prescott. We don't really know how much the 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 flu uh, was in, in, in the locker room. Guys like Brendan Cooks, for example, Stefan Gilmore had it. Uh, don't know. I would I would expect the uh, the the Cowboys offense to to show up a little bit, but it's also not the exact kind of defense that Dak Prescott usually excels at. Big Fangio likes to play um, a little bit deeper, more zone, two high structures, which is not... I mean, the Cowboys were very good against almost any defense this season. I don't, I don't want to say that, but uh, Dak has been somewhat worse against the structures that the Dolphins are usually playing. So overall, I, I like the matchup for the Dolphins. And now it just depends on how the injury report is going to shake out. Hitman, I'll give you the final words here on this game. Yeah, it's, it's all about the injury report right now. No, no strong opinion either way, but you, we have to monitor the Miami secondary injuries. The offensive line injuries are especially important because this is a really good Dallas pass rush. And coming in the last week, Tua was 28th in completion percentage versus pressure for the year. He's 20th in PFF grade versus pressure. And I know George talked about like, oh, when, when Miami, when we, when our Miami Dolphins struggled <laughs> against uh, top end teams, it was on the road. But I felt like a lot of that also was it was against teams that could pressure the quarterback as well. And Dallas does have the formula, especially if these offensive line injuries are a problem to pressure the quarterback and look at another team. Even when Tennessee was able to pressure Tua two weeks ago, like it, it clearly affects him more than the average quarterback. So I, I got nothing on the game, but I'm just monitoring the injuries on Miami side. Okay. And me and George have come to a side bet where uh, if the dolphins win, I will dress as a dolphin at some point for content in 2024 
And if the Cowboys win, George will dress as a Cowboy for content as well. Uh, we'll wager some money on the side as well, George, just for a, a good sweat. Well, but, can, uh, we can I make sure we get back this roster that we're missing? We're missing a whole Pro Bowl roster right now. Well, you know what? If you if you want to make it a true coin flip 50-50, we'll take the closing line. And we'll take the midpoint of the closing line. Let's see. Oh, no, it sounds a little bit less confident than five minutes ago, uh, G-Stack. <laughs> A <laughs> little, bit, little bit less confident than five minutes ago. All right. It is the holiday season. I'll remind everyone. I've mentioned this on other shows, but just as a reminder, our forward progress schedule for this week. Still have a live watch along for Thursday night football, Saints and Rams. The plan is to do a Christmas night, Monday night football watch along for Ravens and 49ers. It's not 100% solidified yet, but that is the plan. If you are subscribed here on Forward Progress, you'll be able to see whenever we schedule that video. And if we do schedule that video, that's a go for Monday Night Football. Sunday, Christmas Eve, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Pizza Buffet in the usual time slot on Sunday. But there will not be a show on Sunday night with myself and Clive for Christmas Eve. So Pizza Buffet in its regularly scheduled time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Sunday morning. No show on Sunday night. My wife, my wife has seen the, the schedule for this week, and I can assure you she's not happy about the amount of football over the holidays. Sorry, honey, you got to deal with it. Such is life. Let's get into the best bets. As is tradition, we start with last week's winners first. Unfortunately, neither of them are here this week. It was our two guests. This is the second consecutive week where this has happened. So instead, we go to the fresh blood first. G-Stack, the last time he gave us a best bet on the show, it lost by 100 points. This is your chance for redemption. You're not Bob Barley, but this is your redemption song, G-Stack. Who's it going to be this week and why? Can I, Martingale, can I like double up the value of this team so that if I'm one on one, I'm still profitable? Or is, is that cheating here? We go, we're going base one unit plays here. All right. All right. If you, if you want, you could shoot an underdog on the money line, yeah, something no. like that. It's completely no, no. up to Trust you. Trust me. If we could do that, if we could do that, I would have done the Vegas Dave hey, strategy like seven it. weeks ago. That's it. Trust Two and 12 me. with the profitable. Just keep going in the hole. All right. I'm going to spare you the fact that Buffalo has been in win mode for a month and what they got through was a murderer's row schedule and now they control their own destiny we all remember buffalo injuries to their defense and how they started leaking heavy oil then they made a trade at the deadline for rasul douglas it's probably the best single trade of the trade deadline this year since his arrival buffalo's defense is eighth in defensive epa per play fifth in dropback epa that includes games against Cincy, Denver, Jets, Philly, Kansas City, and Dallas. So a really good mix of uh, top offenses and a couple uh, duds, I guess, the Jets. Um, the chart, the one thing they don't do well is they still can't stop the run. They're 30th in rush EPA. The Chargers can't exploit that, though. They are bottom three in rush EPA. They're second worst team in rush success rate. We all remember making a big adjustment when Joe Burrow went down and we said, you know, Cincinnati's now a bottom five team. What we got wrong was that they still had good coaching uh, that people like to play for. They still had a lot of capable playmakers. They still had a good O-line. The Chargers have none of that. They are a dead team. Their play playmakers are Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer. Their O-line now has lost their backup center, Will Clapp. I don't know how many teams have a capable third center. This is going to be problematic. Their defense is dead. Since Joey Bosa went down 27th in EPA per play, 27th in success rate. I know what you're saying. The Raiders game is skewing that, but even if we take that out, still 24th and 25th in both those metrics. This game has blowout written all over it, and outside of a Josh Allen uh, pick six fest, I can't see how Buffalo doesn't pull away. They have figured out James Cook is a dangerous weapon as well. Um, the Chargers don't have a way to take Stefan Diggs out of the game short of full double the entire game, and if they do that, the offense is going to open up for everyone else. On the other side, Easton Stick is going to have problems because like the Dolphins, the Bills do a great job of generating pressure, top seven in pressuring dropbacks, and their bottom 12 in uh, blitz frequency. This means Easton Stick will be under pressure a ton, but also seeing seven men 
coverages. This has disaster written all over it. And then finally, this game may be in L.A., but at best, they're getting a neutral crowd. And at worst, Buffalo fans will travel well and take over the stadium. This entire handicap is assuming Keenan Allen plays. If he doesn't, I feel even stronger about it. All right. G-Stack saying, screw you, situational Suma. I don't care about the new coach. I don't care about the team off the blowout loss. I'm going with the Bills. Minus 11 and a half. Hopefully, G-Stack, you get back into the uh, winning column this week. Suma, we all know that you took last week off to ensure that you don't suffer as many losses as Hitman this season. Uh, professional move. Totally get it. I actually respect it. But you're back this week. There's nowhere to run or hide. Best bet of the week. Who's it going to be and why? It's going to be the one that I maybe like the most on the show today. Uh, Minnesota Vikings plus three at plus money. Um, I like a lot about this matchup. Uh, I think that Jared Goff and the Lions offense is go are going to have a tough matchup because the Vikings defense plays exactly the style of defense that Jared Goff has struggled against this season. I think Brian Flores is a very smart DC who is uh, really going after opponents' uh, weaknesses. And I think that's going that's what we are going to see in this one. So I, I would not bank on a on another 30-plus uh, burger by Detroit here. And on the other side, I mean, Nick Mullins, he is not a great quarterback by any stretch, but I think that the Vikings with Kevin O'Connell have put together a very strong foundation where even a guy like Joshua Dobbs was able to execute for the first three games there. Um, they, they got a very decent offensive line with strong tackles. Justin Jefferson is getting healthier. John Addison's good. The, the Detroit Lions defense is not good at all. I think that the Vikings offense should get their, their, their fair share of uh, scores in this one. And that way, I think it's going to be a very competitive, tight game. And I personally cannot get to plus three at plus money in this one. So I I like the, the Vikings here uh, at a, uh, down to a flat three. And yeah, go. Let's, let's get some purple pain in the Lions' face this week. All right. Suma going with the Vikings. I think, uh, you know, every time we do this show every week, I think I've seen it all behind the scenes. But we have a last second best bet switch from Hitman this week. It did happen previously because of a line moving on air. But in this case, there's been no, no movement. He just says behind the scenes, F it. I'm going with this. Let him know, Hitman, who it is and why. Well, originally it was going to be Denver, but, you know, I bet Denver. I want to win Denver, so I figure we'll keep it as a lean. But um, I did bet this one also. I like the Browns minus two and a half. Uh, I'll just say I think that this line, once the C.J. Stroud news becomes official, gets to three. I know that NFL reporters have had an absolute abomination of a year on getting stuff wrong, so there's maybe an outside chance he does play. But I've heard some stuff. I heard that he had to cancel his charity event on Tuesday because of the symptoms that he was still having. He obviously didn't practice today. So I do think that it's a very, very, very strong likelihood that Stroud is not in this game. And I, I just think that Houston is a bottom five team with, with Case Keenum at quarterback. And they're closer to what last year's team was than the, what they were playing as earlier this year with CJ Stroud, who was really bailing this team out with just a ton of, of insane efficiency. It's a bad defense. The defense since their week seven buy is allowed the third most yards per attempt. Um, their pass funnel defense that's facing a Browns team that has been throwing at four, six, and 6% above expectation recently. The Browns run defense is allowing 0.56 yards before contact per carry, bit best in the NFL. Probably going to put Case Keenum in a lot of second, third, and longs where the Browns pass rush is second in the NFL in pressure rate. And then just the injuries that Houston has along the go of C.J. Stroud. Losing Tank Dell was obviously a huge injury. Nico Collins didn't practice today. So losing your top two receivers 
And then the defensive injuries they have as well. Probably not going to have Will Anderson or Blake Cashman in this game. So I think the line closes three. If you're going to fade it, at least wait until post, in my opinion, and take that Houston plus three. But we're going best bet, Cleveland minus two and a half. All right. And uh, Hitman did misspeak there earlier. He was going to take the Patriots, not the Broncos. Patriots plus six and a half. Yep, for those correct. of you who are looking to fade, just trying to trying to clear it up, clear the air for them so they don't accidentally get on the pick that you wanted, uh, just in case. Uh, I'll end it off here. Um, I'm going to continue uh, with this Bears defense that I think is really good. And I think people are understanding that now. Uh, I don't, not interested in laying the points with the Bears, but I'm going to go under 44 and a half in the Bears Cardinals game. At minus 114, that's good all the way up to minus 123 at the 44 and a half price. Uh, I think it's a very tough matchup for the Arizona offense, specifically for Kyler Murray. He typically wants to face more man coverage uh, and cover one so that he can use his legs as a secondary option. Chicago rotates in a lot of cover two, a lot of cover four quarters into their zone scheme. Kyler's been very poor against those types of defenses this season. Marquise Brown re-aggravates that heel injury last week. His status now in doubt. Arizona, while they do like to try to run the ball, and it's been very inconsistent for them this year, the Chicago defense has been very good up front in defending the run. And overall, this defense has just been playing at a very high level since acquiring Montez Sweat and being fully healthy on the back end. The other side of things, I know Arizona's defense is bad. They gave up 45 to the 49ers last week. Everyone gives up a ton of points to the 49ers. This is not an ideal matchup for Justin Fields, in my opinion. Arizona plays by far the more, most quarters coverage in the entire league at 34%. I mean that by far. No other team is in like the 25% range. Similar to Kyler, Fields does not want to see a lot of zone coverage. He wants to see man, use his legs. That's not what Arizona does. They play very low rates of man and very low rates of cover one. Coming out of the bye week, they did get both starting cornerbacks back as well. It's not a great defense, but it's a healthier defense than it was earlier on in the year. I anticipate Chicago trying to run the ball a lot in this game with some mixed success. I don't anticipate the Arizona Cardinals being able to move the ball successfully in this one. So give me the under in the Cardinals and the Bears game. That's it for our best bets. From everyone here at Forward Progress, we want to wish everyone out there a happy holidays. Thank you for tuning in to everything that we've done this year. Stay safe. Enjoy the time with your families and friends. And I'll echo something that George brought up with me on Circles Off last week. But this can be a lonely time of year for a lot of people who are out there. If you ever need anyone to reach out to, all of us have our DMs open. You can reach out to us at any time. We're more than willing to chat with everyone out there. So if you're struggling over the holiday season, feel free to reach out at any point. I'm more than happy to have a conversation with anyone out there. But enjoy your time, and hopefully it's a good holiday season for everyone. We'll see everyone back here next Wednesday for Best Bets Week 17. Good luck with your best bets, everyone, this weekend, and happy holidays. Peace out.